You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. And we'll grab your Bibles, grab your sermon notes this morning. Today, I want to spend some time talking with you about this. This is where we're going to focus our attention this morning. The unending, unconditional, overflowing love of God and His love for us, His creation. Now, I know probably this morning all of you have heard a number of sermons on God's love, right? Let's just let me ask that question. How many of you have ever heard like at least one sermon, maybe multiple sermons on God's love? Probably everyone in the house today. So I understand that. I understand that most of you have heard a sermon on God's love or multiple sermons on God's love, depending on how many years you've been in church. But this is what I believe. I believe every once in a while we need to be reminded of what we already know. Every once in a while we need to come back and reflect a little and bring ourselves back to to try to get our mind around the vastness, the extreme of God's love. Because the better we understand God's love, the better we're going to be able to connect in relationship with Him. So if there's a breakdown in your understanding of God's love, it's going to detrimentally affect your ability, negatively affect your ability to properly connect in a relationship with God. Now, I don't do a lot of counseling because I'm a really bad counselor. So if you're thinking I need to go see Pastor Farrell so he can counsel me, you probably don't want to do that. Um, I'll just warn you before you come, I can help you find someone who's smarter than I am. But when I I do counseling, it's interesting, most of the time, now this is not 100% of the time, but most of the time as I'm meeting with individuals, whether male or female, dealing with issues of relationship, it's almost always connected back to parents. And most of the time, if I can be even more specific, to the father. And a breakdown of relationship. And it's that breakdown of relationship with their earthly father that's like negatively affecting their other relationships that's working out in their lives. And it's kind of the same way with us in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. If we don't have a healthy, right understanding of God's love for us, then we're going to struggle. We're going we're to be challenged in rightly connecting with Him. So... Again, I want to just spend a few minutes this morning talking with you about uh, God's outrageous love. There's an interesting story, true story, that comes out of West Virginia. I mean, you know, when stories come out of West Virginia or Arkansas, it's always interesting, right? (laughs) Well, so it is again. True story. In the 1980s and early 90s, some of you will remember this, people shelled out hundreds of dollars to own pot-bellied pigs. Let me remember that. How many of you would go ahead and just own up to the fact that you owned one? You bought the lie. So here, here was the lie. And when it came from individuals who were trying to sell this pet. It's like, oh, they're, they're, they're wonderful, they're cute, they're smart. They only get up to about 40 pounds and they make wonderful like household pets, right? Well, they were like half right. The pigs were smart, but they had this, this tendency to grow to about 150 pounds and become quite aggressive. And at that point, what, they're no longer like a nice household pet. So what do people what do people do with unwanted pigs that's become like too big to be the household pet? Well, unfortunately, or excuse me, fortunately for the pigs, there was a gentleman by the name of Dale Riffle who came to the rescue. Someone had actually given Riffle one of these pigs and he fell in love with this little pot pig. He called him Rufus. 
And um, Rufus, you know, was small when he got it, like all the other pigs. And, 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 it, and it began to grow, and it continued to grow, and continued to grow. Um, and there was a few challenges. Rufus never learned to use his litter box. It's a problem. Not only that, he had a craving for carpet and wallpaper and drywall. But because Dale Riffle loved his pig Rufus, he actually sold his house in, in suburban and moved to West Virginia, bought five acres in West Virginia, and he started taking in other unwanted pigs, and before long, the guy was like living in hog heaven. <laughs> at last report, and again, I'm not making this up. I couldn't make this up. At, at last report, there were 180 residents on the farm. According to U.S. World News Report, or U.S. News and World Report, They snooze on beds of pine shavings, they wallow in mud puddles, they soak in plastic swimming pools and listen to piped-in classical music. They never need to fear that one day they'll become bacon or pork chops. There's actually a waiting list of unwanted pigs trying to get into Riffle's farm. Dale Riffle told the reporter as he was being interviewed, he says, you know, we're all put on earth for a reason, I I guess pigs are my lot in life. And as I was reading Dale's story, this is what I came away from with Dale's story. It's like, how could anyone love pigs? Like, fall in love with pigs, like, to this degree. I mean, I think that's pretty amazing. But let me tell you something this morning. I think that's even more amazing. That an infinite, perfect, holy, majestic, awesome God is passionately in love with sinful, sometimes openly rebellious, frequently indifferent people like you and me. Like with all of our issues. And you got issues. You look nice this morning, but you got issues. We all have issues. That's what I know about humanity. Listen, I've lived long enough to know we all have issues. But with all of our issues, like God still outrageously loves us. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're a pig, and I'm, I'm not trying to compare you to Dale Riffle's pigs. But just as Dale was crazy about the pigs that no one else wanted, that had been rejected, so God's crazy about us. He's gone like to unbelievable extremes. Not only to prove His love for us, but to make a way that we might experience that of His love, that we might live in relationship with Him. Although God's love for us is beyond definition, I want to spend some time this morning encouraging, encouraging you with the truth, with the truth of God's love. The psalmist proclaims this, that the Lord is good and His unfailing love continues forever. And it's this love that we get to experience, that we get to enjoy as we, as we live out life. You know, the Scripture never says that, that God is power. The Scripture never says that that God is uh, that that God's without end, but the, what the scripture does say is that God is love. So you want to know what love looks like when we look at God? Well, He's the definition. He's the de- definition of love for us. His His never-ending love. Now, in our faith journey, the perspective we have is critical because if we have a wrong perspective, then we or if we have a wrong Excuse me, if we have a wrong perspective, we end up with a wrong view. And if we have a wrong view, then we end up with a wrong response. So if you have a wrong perspective, a wrong understanding of who God is, then what's going to be the response? It's not a trick question. If you have a wrong view of who God is, 
then most likely you're going to have what? A wrong response. If you have a wrong understanding of God's love, then you're going to have a wrong response to that of the God who loves you outrageously. See, if you view God as a supreme being who like brought the whole world into existence, but is like far removed, like he's, like he's in the heavenlies, and obviously he is, but like he's far removed from you and, and your world, and that he's like unconcerned for you, then you're going to wrongly, you're going to wrongly respond to that God. Why? Because you have a wrong view of who he is. Or if you view God as like one who's holy and hates sin and he's waiting to punish you when you fail or screw up, then this is what I know. You're going to be running from that kind of God, not running to him. Now, God is holy and he does hate sin. But he loves you outrageously. Or if your view of God as the heavenly father is like he's the one who's perfect, but always disappointed with you because of your struggles, your your habits and your hang ups then again, you're not going to be able to rightly relate or, respond or, or be able to respond to God. Now, God is perfect, but He loves us even with our imperfections, even with our struggles. Again, God doesn't just love us. He is love. If you want to know what love looks like, again, the picture is who? It's God. Now, God's love for us is, is beyond definition I, I don't have words sufficient in my vocabulary to explain it it's beyond comprehension but this morning i want to take just a few minutes and i want us to look at a few different verses that gives us a little bit more of an understanding a little bit more of a glimpse if you will into what god's love is and what it's like so let's start with this god's love for us is unmeasurable Unmeasurable. Psalm 103, verse 11. It's on the screen. Would you read this with me this morning? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. Notice, as high as the heavens are above the earth. So the psalmist here is trying to give us a picture so that we can like, get our minds around the extent of the vastness of God's love. And notice he doesn't say it's higher than the highest mountain. And that would be like... Pretty grand, would it not? But he says, God's love for you is higher than the highest heavens. Because inquiring minds want to know, how high is that, right? Higher than the highest heavens. But based upon terminology today, higher than the highest heavens, as best we can determine, and this is a bit of an estimate, because we don't really have technology to see to the ends of the highest heaven, but they tell us today at least, get this, 46 billion light years, the heavens are above the earth. 40, I told you it was more than your mind could handle. 46 billion light years, the heavens are above the earth. The first thing I would want to encourage you with this morning, listen, God's love for you, it's outrageous. It is unmeasurable. Not only is it unmeasurable, but it's uncomprehensible. The Apostle Paul, trying to give some definition to God's love, wrote these words, Ephesians 3, 17, 18, and 19. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, notice that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it's bigger than 
our limited brains will ever be able to comprehend. His love for us is great beyond understanding. So as hard as I try this morning, I'm not going to be able to rightly define God's love so that you can fully comprehend it because again, it's more. It's more than our minds can handle. Not only is God's love uncomprehensible, but God's love is also unfailing. Unfailing. Notice Psalm 107 verse 8. It's on the screen, so let's read this one together. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. Notice, His unfailing love. So this is what I can tell you this morning. Your car is going to fail you. The government? Yeah. It's going to fail you. You got some friends? Hopefully not intentional, but they're going to fail you. Family members? Yeah, them too. You're going to fail. But God's love for you never fails, never stops, never ends. His unfailing love is always constant. In a world that's constantly changing, what is the constant? The constant is this. God's love never changes. It's unfailing. Not only is God's love unfailing, but it's unconditional. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul wrote these words, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God didn't say to you, get yourself all cleaned up and fixed up, and then we can talk about relationship. No, with all of your stuff, all of your sin, while you were still a sinner, but His unconditional love. In other words, it's not based upon your performance. Not based upon how good you can be. How many of you know we're all, we're all challenged with being good? Right? So it's not, listen, God's love for you is not based on how good you can be. Should you, should you be good? Well, I think so. I think, I think there's some benefits to that. But God's love is not connected to how good you can be. But it's an unconditional love. That means with all of our warts, with all of our stuff, with all of the mistakes and the mishaps, with all of it, what God still loves us outrageously. Why? Because His love is an unconditional love. Not only is His love unconditional, but His love is unceasing. Psalm 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. Forever. I mean, think about that. His love endures forever. In other words, His love never stops. Like, He doesn't love us one day and not love us the next. You know, he, His love is unceasing. It's unending. It's been said, it's been said that you could empty the oceans of the world with one of these little communion cups. Think about it. You could empty the oceans of the world with one of these little communion cups before you ran out of God's love. Why? Because it's unceasing. Never stops. Continuing to pursue you. It's the wonder of God's outrageous love. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, Jesus tells us three stories, three parables. So if you have your Bibles... Look with me to Luke 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Three stories, three word pictures. And I believe that these three pictures, there are a lot of different ways we could approach these three pictures. 
or these three parables. But this morning, I want us to look at these three parables as different facets of God's love. Different ways. Jesus is telling these stories to reveal different ways that God's love is revealed to us. Beginning with verse 1, he starts with a story about a shepherd. There's the shepherd who has a hundred sheep. Now in this culture that Jesus would have been telling this story, they would have so got it. We struggle a little bit because... Um, well, that, just that, how many of you have a sheep? That's what I thought. We all live in Lake Norman, right? We don't have sheep in the backyard. So, so it's a little more difficult for us to understand, but there was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. Now understand in this culture and time, the shepherd actually was with the sheep all the time. He was the provider. He was the protector. He didn't go home at night, but he stayed with the sheep. I mean, there was this unique relationship between a shepherd and the animal, the sheep. So the shepherd has a hundred sheep, and one comes up missing. He counts, recounts, and sure enough, 99. One's gone. So what does he do? The scripture says, as Jesus is telling the story, he says, the shepherd leaves the 99 like with someone to watch after them, and he goes on a rescue mission. What's he looking for? He's looking for the sheep that has wandered off, that has strayed, that has lost its way. He's calling, he's looking, he's searching, he finally finds this, this sheep, and the Scripture says, as Jesus is telling the story, he puts it on his shoulders, he carries it home, and he calls his friends and his, and his family members, and says, hey, let's have a party, the sheep of mine. He was lost, but now he's found. I think in this parable, in this parable, in Luke 15, we we have the lost sheep. And in it, I think we see God's love revealed. And that He leaves the 99 to find the one. Because sometimes, folks, here's the reality. We get deceived. We get disoriented. We get distracted. And like the sheep, we wander off away from the Good Shepherd. Oftentimes it's not even intentional. It's just like we're grazing a little here, a little there. We're chasing this, we're chasing that. Promotion, job, money. Not that we forgot about God, but we're just grazing. Grazing. Pursuing. Chasing. Stuff. And one day we wake up and we find ourselves and we've wandered away from the care of the shepherd. Got distracted, got disoriented, possibly got deceived. But in our wondering, in our wondering, the shepherd never gives up on us. Why? Because he loves us. And just as in this story, the the shepherd is looking for the lost sheep, so God pursues us. Why? Because again, his love, his love never gives up on us. We have the second parable. And this parable, beginning with verse 8, we have a widow who has ten silver coins, obviously valuable to her. We don't know this, but maybe all that she had. Ten silver coins, and she loses one of the ten. So now she has nine. So what does she do? In this story that Jesus tells, the woman lights a lamp and begins to search. She's sweeping and sweeping and sweeping, searching and looking, until she finds the lost coin. As the coins recovered, 
Again, she says to her friends and neighbors, hey, come and celebrate with me. That which was lost has been found, but she, she lit the lamp. That's what I think is interesting in this, in this parable, in this story. She, she lit the lamp in, in search of... Search of the lost coin. So in the parable of the lost coin, this is what I believe we see revealed. We see God's love revealed as He brings light into our darkness. Light into our darkness. You know, there's times in life that we get deceived by sin or, or we get stuck. We get stuck in behaviors and decisions that lead us away from God. But again, because of God's great love, He doesn't give up on us. He loves us so much that He'll bring light into our darkness to reveal our wrong way. He loves us so much that He'll bring consequence to capture our attention and correct our wrong behavior to bring us back to right relationship. He does this not because He's angry with us, but He loves us so much that He lights the lamp. He loves us so much that He brings the light to reveal the darkness. Again, not because he's angry, not because he's mad, but because he loves us. It's kind of like when I was a kid, my mom would say this, because I love you, I'm going to tear that tail up. (laughs) That was never abusive. I don't want to paint my mom to be some maniac. It was never abusive. It was never out of order. And at that age, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I thought, man, if you really love me, you wouldn't do this. (laughs) At 53 today, I look back and say, wow, I'm glad that I had a mom that loved me, who would bring light into my darkness. Not because she was angry, and sometimes we really frustrated her. Uh, I would get at least three spankings a day. Uh, I had an older brother. Man, we could just get into stuff. We could, I mean, we were just in trouble all the time. But I had a mom. I'm grateful today as I've gotten older. I'm grateful today. I had a mom who loved me enough to bring light into my darkness. The good news for us, folks, is we have a God who loves us. And because He loves us, what? He lights the lamp. Not to punish us. If, if, you think of, if you think of it like, well, God's going to punish No. God may bring consequence. Why? Because He loves you. He knows, he knows what He's placed in you. He knows the future He has before you. So in His love, what He brings to light. So that you can become all that He's created you to be. And the third story that Jesus tells We have the parable of the lost son. In this story, again, I think these are three different facets of God's love. In this story, we have a father has two sons. The younger of the two says to his father, Hey, give me what's mine. Give me what what belongs to me. Give me my part of the inheritance. And the father does. The scripture tells us that this young man who thought he knew better, He thought he could just go out and make it on his own. He's tired of the expectations, tired of the rules, tired of the regulations. Like, I can go and do it on my own just fine. He takes his part of the inheritance, and the Scripture says it like this. He wasted it on wild living. Now, let your mind run wild about that. What did that look like? I don't know. Maybe prostitutes? Maybe substance? Maybe parties? Maybe gambling? 
But he came to a place that he was broke and broken. Money's gone, Pharaoh the friends have left, and he's left with nothing. Famine hits, what am I going to do? Only job he could land is taking care of some pigs. So again, think about this in Jewish culture. For the Jews, pigs are unclean. Only job he could land. He's in the pig pen taking care of the pigs. Again, not only broke, but broken in his failure. And one day as he's in the pig pen, this is how the story reads. He came to his senses. I love that part of the story. He came to his senses. Like, he woke up. My father's love. So, you know, my, my, my dad's servants have it better than this. So I don't deserve to be a son. I don't deserve that place. But maybe, possibly, my dad would have me back as a servant. The scripture says that he got up out of the pig pen and he started home. And as I read this, I think as he was on his way, he was rehearsing again and again what he was going to tell his dad. I had so messed it up and yeah, I don't deserve to be a son. Will you have me back as a servant? And this is the part I love of this story because I think it so reveals the love of our Father and the heart of our Father. Listen, if you get this picture, it'll change your relationship with God. Here's the Father standing, waiting, looking, longing for His Son return. For His Son's return. And when He sees His Son in the distance, listen, the Dad doesn't wait for the Son to get to Him. The Father runs to the Son. Get a picture of that. He runs to the son and he throws his arms around his son. Before his son can even get out his his confession, his repentance, it's like, wow, here, robe on his back, ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, throw the party. It's an amazing picture of God's love. In the parable, in the parable of the lost son, We see God's love revealed as He welcomes home and He restores the son who's failed. So no matter what you've done or or no matter how far you've strayed or how big of a mess you've made of your life, listen, God still loves you outrageously. That's the good news. That's the great news. Possibly it's news that, that you need to hear today. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe you've made some wrong choices, bad decisions. Possibly you failed miserably. And you've been thinking like, God could not possibly love you. I'm telling you, that's so not true. Like That's the lie from the pit of hell. Then God's love's not conditional upon how good you can be. Or how right you can be. Then He loves you outrageously. And He's waiting. Like this story here, he's waiting, he's waiting for your return. Listen, other people may stop loving you, but God never will. Other people may give up on you, but hear me, friend, God never will. Other people may say you're a failure, but God sees you as the wonder of his creation, and he desires to reveal his love for you. So if you've been running from God, can I encourage you this morning? You need to change directions. Rather than running from God, you need to be running to God. 
to run to the one who loves you outrageously. To run to the one who accepts you as you are where you're at. Now, does he want to leave you there? No. Does he want to grow you, change you, heal you, set you on the right path in the right direction to bring you to the great future he has for you? Absolutely. But does he love you where you're at? Absolutely. Well, you need to change directions. Rather than running from God, today we want to run to the one who loves us outrageously. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for your never-ending, for your, for your love that is so vast beyond what our minds can even comprehend. Lord, in the midst of our dysfunction, in the midst of our stuff, in the midst of our issues, God, I'm just grateful that you never give up on us. You never quit us. But like the father who welcomed the son home, who was so broken and had so messed up his life, so father, he said, hey, come on home. Even... You run to us. You don't wait for us to get to you. Run to us because of your outrageous love. Can we thank you for that this morning? Lord, I pray this morning possibly for individuals here who had a wrong understanding, a wrong view of you, God, and they've kind of been running from you, not running to you. God, I pray today that they would know I pray today that they would hear fresh the truth, the truth that you love them outrageously. And Lord, that they would be able to respond to that of your love. Or maybe for those here today who've just failed you miserably, I think we've all been there at some point in our lives. Lord, may they come to their senses today. Get up out of the pig pen and come home. So again, Lord, your love for them is outrageous. Lord, may they be able to hear it and receive it today. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.